Well, over the last several weeks, we've been exploring the idea that every disciple is a what? Believer, but not every believer is a disciple. So what do you think about that statement? How does it make you feel? Okay. Causes, causes us to reflect. What else? Anybody? Well, I put down some of my own. Sometimes discouraged. <laughs> Does anybody else ever feel discouraged when you hear something like that? Or confused? Maybe a little bit overwhelmed? Sometimes I feel challenged and motivated. Just different ideas. Every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. A disciple is a pupil, an adherent, a follower. Another good word for a disciple is an apprentice. I think that that's a word sometimes that we can, can relate to a little bit more. As Christians, our goal is to not only believe in Jesus, but to follow him, to be his disciple. One of my very favorite theologians is a man named Dallas Willard, and he said it this way, if I am Jesus's disciple, that means I am with him to learn from him how to be like him. I'm going to read that again. If I am Jesus' disciple, that means I am with him to learn from him how to be like him. And I know for myself, it's my intent um, as a disciple to pursue Jesus, to study him, to imitate him, to be caught up in his divine life and purpose. And yet, can we mere mortals be like Jesus? Have you ever asked yourself that? I'm, I'm told that I'm supposed to be like Jesus. How can I be like Jesus? Well, while we're certainly not divine, Scripture makes it pretty clear that being like Jesus is to be our ambition. It's to be our goal. When Jesus was here on earth, he called people. He called many people. He said, come, follow me. Be with me. Learn from me. And in the, the rabbi-disciple relationship, it was clearly understood. Come, follow me, so that you may know what I know and do what I do in order to know and do it yourself, and then to reproduce that in other people. So a rabbi would call his disciples to come and be with him and learn from him and watch what he did and hear what he said so that they could know what he knows, do what he does, does, <laughs> do's, <laughs> do what he does, and then in turn, make more disciples. 
Matthew 11, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That take my yoke is literally be joined together with me. Work alongside me. We're in this together. Um, John, Jesus' very best friend on earth, said, um, quoted Jesus as saying, True, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus says we will do what he did, and not only that, we'll do even greater things than what he did while he was on earth. John again later on wrote, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are going to be like Jesus if we are following him. We're now becoming who we will be for all eternity. And if John says that when we see him, we will be like him, that means right now we are becoming that one who when we see him will be like him. I think that deserves an amen. I like that. We are becoming who we will be. And John, Jesus' very best friend, says, but when we see him, we will be like him. This is my, and I trust it's your heartfelt desire, the wholehearted desire, the goal of every single day of my life to be like Jesus, to follow him, to be with him so I can learn from him how to be like him. So how well am I doing at that? Too often less than stellar. I think we can all relate with that. Sometimes I'm kind of there, and other times not quite. Yet, lest we should grow too discouraged, let's look at the words of Apostle Paul from Philippians 3. In verse 10, Apostle Paul is saying, I want to know Christ to become like him. And that's just what we were talking about. That's what a disciple is. I want to know Christ to become like him. And then in verse 12, he writes, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. My goal is to know Christ and to be like him. I haven't gotten there yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, because you know what? That's one of the tactics that the, the enemy of our souls loves to use. You really messed up yesterday. You call yourself a Christian? You call yourself a disciple? Well, then, why did you say that? 
why did you treat that person like that? But Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. I'm straining ahead. So how do we press on? I'm a practical person. I like practical things. How do we press on toward the goal of being like Jesus? Well, the first thing is to know him. We got to know him. What he does, why he does it. And this happens, of course, through prayer that we talked about already, spending time talking to him, listening to him, meditating on him. But very often it happens through scripture. Which is why, and I haven't actually done this for a while, but I used to do it just about every time I preached. I would ask, did you read your Bible this week? Because if the only Bible you get is the Bible we read today, it's good, but it's not enough. Did you read your Bible this week? And by the way, we're going to read a lot of Bible today. And it's on your handout there. But if this is all you get this week, it's not enough. Be in the Word. One of the things that I started doing, um, oh, it's been about a year and a half ago, and I've really made it into a habit. Then in, in addition to my other Bible reading, I read one chapter every day in the Gospels. And the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're the record of we have of Jesus's life here on earth. I read one chapter every day because in them I can see what he did. I hear what he said. I observe how he interacted with people and how they responded to him. I, in reading Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, I am discovering his priorities, his joys, his frustrations. I love it that Jesus got frustrated sometimes. But, but I'm learning what was it that made him frustrated, that caused him to be frustrated. I'm learning his goodness. When I read about his life here on earth, I am with him. And I am learning from him how to be like him. So the first is to know Jesus. And then second, follow his example. I'm with him. I'm learning from his life. Now it's time for me to live like it. Because we can only follow when we put his teachings and his priorities and his truth and his behavior into our own practices. If I study Jesus, if I memorize 
the whole book of Matthew. But I don't put it into practice in my own life. It does me very little good. I need to read about him, to study him, to know what he said, to know what he did. But then I need to take it that step further. If I'm going to follow him, then I need to follow him by doing it. We can only follow when we make his manner of life our goal, our obsession. And for those of us who are not content to simply believe, I am a believer. I believe. But I don't want to just believe. I want to be a disciple. For those of us who are not content to simply believe, who in spite of our imperfect humanity are convinced that the way of Jesus is the only way to live, the only way to life, we press on toward the goal. We press on. We forget what is behind. We strive ahead and press on. Amen? Jesus said, follow me. And he also said, go and make disciples. Because remember, the goal of a disciple is to know what your rabbi knows, to do what your rabbi does, and then to go out and teach other people to know and to do. Jesus said, go and make disciples. In Matthew 28, just before he returned to Father God, Jesus gathered his disciples on the mountain in Galilee. This was after his crucifixion and his resurrection, and he'd appeared to his disciples multiple times over um, a few weeks' time, and he's just about ready to return to the Father. Well, he gathered them all on a mountain in Galilee, and there he spoke his final words to them on earth. And we call this passage the Great Commission. He's commissioning his disciples. Jesus declared, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus by virtue of his death and his resurrection. All authority. Not most, not some. All. All authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is already ruler of the universe. Isn't that cool? We don't have to wait until someday. Jesus is already ruler of the universe. Not that the world is already completely as he intends it to be. But he is even now in the process of taking creation out from underneath the rule of death. He's taking creation out from under the rule of corruption and evil. And he's bringing it into his kingdom of freedom and redemption and goodness and love. 
He is already doing this because all authority belongs to him. And Jesus is doing this through us, his church, his disciples, his followers. Jesus said, all authority is mine. Therefore, you go. All authority is mine. I am the ruler. I am the king. My kingdom has come. Therefore, you go. Make my authority, make my kingdom real in this world. And the way that that happens is that you go and make more disciples. When I was a young girl, I was about nine or 10, my mom taught me how to knit. She um, was a, a knitter and I wanted to learn, so she taught me how to knit. My very first project was a pair of slippers and they looked a lot like these. Zach, if you can put that first one up. That's kind of what they look like, a little clunky, kind of just, they worked, but they weren't really like, oh, wow, that's cool. But it took me weeks to make them. Weeks of progress, but also many mistakes, many drop stitches, and a lot of frogging. Does anybody know what frogging is when it comes to knitting? Rip it, rip it. Seriously, that is a term in the knitting world, frogging. It's when you have to rip things out and start all over. Well, over the years, I have learned. I have practiced. I have improved. I have surrounded myself with knitters who knew a whole lot more than I did so I could learn from them. And um, so that was my very first project. This is something I made last year. A slight bit of difference, isn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. I've, I've gotten better. Knitting seems so complicated at first. And now, usually, it comes as second nature to me because I've done it. I've watched, I've learned, I've imitated other people. Just as my mom taught me, I too have taught others to knit. And it's usually a bit awkward at first. Um, not to name names, but Lisa Finley is hilarious to try to teach to knit. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Patterns can be confusing. Zach, next slide, please. I really want this shirt. Patterns can be confusing. 
and my instructions of, okay, this is how you do it. You go in, around, through, and off. It's really simple. In, around, through, and off. That's sometimes difficult to execute at first for someone who is beginning to learn. But I found that the best way to teach someone to knit is to sit beside them with my own needles and my own yarn and to let them watch me do it as I talk them through the steps. They see me do it, and then they do it themselves. It's the same with anything, with cooking or fishing or auto mechanics. Third slide there. I have to say, I found this slide actually on the internet, but I actually saw something almost identical to this. We were out camping several years ago and I was walking around the campgrounds and there was a dad with a little boy just about that size and the dad had the hood up on the pickup and was trying to do something or other and that little boy was watching his dad. He wanted to learn to work on the pickup too because that's what his dad was doing. So whether it's cooking or fishing or auto mechanics or farming or plumbing or video games, and I'm not, I am not a gamer. I'm not real excited about them, but my grandson David is. He loves video games. And he loves to play video games with his dad. And they were here visiting, um, oh, about a month ago. And on Sunday afternoon, um, they were sitting in front of our TV <laughs> playing video games. And one of the things David does when he plays is that he gets one of his buddies in Oregon on the phone, and they talk on the phone while in different states they're playing the same video game. I don't get it, but he does, and he loves it. And so Nathan had said, well, David, why don't you, they were, David was playing Fortnite, which again, I don't understand, but he loves it. Um, and Nathan said, David, why don't you play Fortnite with your buddy? And David said, but dad, I don't want to play Fortnite with my friend because I will beat him. I want to play with you so that I can learn to play even better. I thought, oh my goodness, I love it. Oh my word. David is a Fortnite disciple. Not sure how I feel about that, but he is. It's important to know the basics. It's important to have the instructions. But very often the best way to learn is to watch and to imitate somebody who is already doing it. Jesus said, follow me, be with me, learn from me, and then go and do what you see me doing. Jesus said, go and make disciples. You are my disciples, now go and make more. Go. Go out to where the people are. Don't just expect them to come to you, because some might, but for most, you go out to them. 
be with them, live with them, teach them, show them, be an example so that they can follow me too. Which brings me to one of my biggest church-related pet peeves. Who has a church-related pet peeve? You don't have to share what it is. Who has a church-related pet peeve? I'm, you know, almost every hand should be raised at this point because we all do at one point. Well, this is one of my biggest church-related pet peeves, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone. So often we hear, don't follow people, follow Jesus. People will fail you. People will disappoint you. They'll hurt you. They'll lead you astray. So keep your eyes on Jesus only. Now, there is some truth in that. People, Christians, even pastors, sometimes especially pastors, will disappoint you. Christians mess up. We say and do the wrong thing. Christians may hurt you, unintentionally or not. Sometimes we even say no to God. Hmm. So does that mean that we ought to disregard their words, their life, their example? Because that's what we talk about. Don't follow people, follow Jesus. But I want to say, maybe we should think through that another time, or a, a second time. We were created by God to need one another, to be in relationship with one another, to watch and to learn from each other, to learn from each other how to grow in godliness. And if you are still kind of going, hmm, I'm not sure, let me show you. Here's some scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was writing about how his life was on display. And he finishes his little tirade, because that's what it was, with these words. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to imitate me. Later on in the same letter, he wrote again in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You can't see Christ right now. He's already returned to the Father, but you can see me. Follow my example. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul wrote, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Watch them. Follow my example. And again, in chapter 4 of Philippians, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Second Thessalonians, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Are you hearing a theme here? 
you hearing kind of a, a theme? For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We did this, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Now, you might say, yes, but this was Paul. He was an apostle. He was like a super Christian. So he could say that. Well, let's look what he wrote in 1 Thessalonians. Now, at the time that Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, this was a fairly young church, a fairly young congregation. He had, Paul had gone to Thessalonica. He hadn't even been there very long. He established the church, and then he had to move on. So these Thessalonians, the Thessalonian church, they were pretty new Christians. Paul hadn't been with them for very long. But listen to what he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now listen. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So these young Christians followed Paul's example, his model, and then they in turn became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. Yes, we are to follow Jesus, but we are also to learn from one another. Paul says, imitate me, follow my example, become a model, because this is how we go and make disciples. If we become a disciple by following Jesus, we go and make disciples as other people see how we live as Christians. And this doesn't happen in isolation because I can't encourage you to follow my words or my behavior and then just go off on my merry way. Imitation must always be in the context of relationship. I am with you. You with me. We are honest and open and vulnerable with each other. We learn to understand each other's intent and integrity. We laugh and eat and cry and play and work and serve together. When we mess up, we confess and forgive. We give space. We listen. We encourage and admonish. We live together in grace. We commit to keep our eyes on Jesus and to look for Jesus in each other. We commit to keep our eyes on Jesus and to see Jesus in each other. Every disciple should be able to say, if you want to know what a Christian looks like, watch me. I'm going to say that again. 
If you want to know what a Christian looks like, watch me. And that should terrify us a bit. And it should motivate us more and more to be with Jesus, to pursue him with every part of our being, because the people around us are watching. Discipleship is a daunting task, but it is the task to which Jesus has called us. And we are able to do it because the one whom we follow already possesses all authority. We can strive to do it. We can press on because he is with us and he is in us always, every day until the end of time. As we close, I want us all to stand while I read Matthew 28, 18 through 21. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen? Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for allowing us this amazing privilege of not just believing, but following, of being your disciples. God, help us to follow closely and wisely and with eyes and hearts wide open. And help us as we live in the, in the world where you have placed us, in the world where you already have all authority, help us to live in such a way that when people see us, they can see you. Thank you that you do that in us. You are good. You are our God. We will follow. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.